This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by the Alberta World Cup cross-country event, which is taking place in the beautiful Canadian Rockies, March 20th to the 22nd. Not only can you see the best racers in the world battle it out to hoist those giant crystal globes and their beauties, let me tell you, not that I know, I don't have any, but I've seen them. But don't just sit on the stands and cheer on the athletes. There's so many amazing events that are going on around the town of Camor throughout the whole weekend of celebrations. Chandra Crawford's Fast and Female organization will be hosting its ever-popular Champ Chat for 100 girls on Saturday, March 21st. Another Olympic champion that just happens to live in paradise, Camor, Alberta, is Becky Scott, whose organization Spirit North will have so many amazing events. You can see powwow, dancing, drumming, and she'll be at the opening ceremonies. It's going to be a celebration not to be missed. Listen, Camor, Alberta is the absolute best town on planet Earth. Take it from me, one of the most biased people you will ever hear from. I love Camor. I live in Lillehammer. I miss Camor every day. If you like cross-country skiing and you want to see the best racers in the world, gun to tape, annihilate, hoist the globes, have fun, maybe have some free Gruyere cheese samples, all while taking in the amazing hospitality of Alberta and Camor itself, get your butts to the Alberta World Cup. You can find all the details at albertaworldcup.com. Hey folks, this is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. In this episode, we break down the classic sprint, day two of racing from Oberstdorf, Germany. We're going to jump into the conversation with Devin, where we had been discussing how to get little kids interested in going into the backcountry. We would end up going backcountry skiing, and I he would tour in on his little Nordic skis with um, kicker skins, and I would carry his downhill stuff. The Alpine gear. Yeah. Dude, I actually saw that two years ago in, uh, in Romestalen, the mountains yep. in Romestalen. And yeah, same thing. I saw a dad with a, with a son that was probably about eight or nine. On the skinnies, yeah, on Nordic boards, skiing up into the backcountry, and we were coming back from our day, and and yeah, I saw the Alpine skis strapped to the backpack. I'm like, those are. I'm taking note of that because that that's. I mean, that's that's genius. So, yeah, yeah, because no. they have stability on the way down, and they have a binding that releases. Yeah, totally. And then on the way up, it's light and fun. Well, fun. I mean, fun for us. I mean, if you're if you're eight and you're skinning even on. Nordic skis maybe it's not the most fun, but with the with the promise with the promise of the jumps and the yeah, turns and the alpine skis on the way down, that that can that'll motivate. Yeah. And it's magic. I mean, they look around, they get it. They're like, this is look where I am. Okay. Speaking of magic. Yeah. Let's okay. speak of magic. We're gonna go right into the magic of today. What was the magic for you today? Oh, there's no question the magic for me today was three Americans in the top ten. And Jesse on the podium. Because here's the thing, and yeah, I know there's some magic with Claybo winning too. You're making me feel badly because that, I mean, that's awesome. But my, maybe because I covered the guys' race intensively, so like my magic was a little different. Okay, go into your magic. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with my magic, which is yeah, the yin and yang of Jesse Diggins, especially in classic this year, has been like I, I've whiplash. Yeah. I have whiplash from like looking so like a tough, tough day yesterday. And then today in a classic sprint again, it was a bit, I feel like we've had the exact same conversation, honestly, at the tour to ski, tough classic day. And then it's like classic sprint the next day. You're like, well, you know what? I mean, yeah, she could do well. Like she could for sure. Top 10 
it's a little weaker field and bang on the podium. And today, same thing, like third in a classic sprint, skiing amazingly well. Some understated amazingness is Sophie Caldwell. How many times has she been fourth this year? She's And she's yeah. sitting fourth in the sprint cup. She's not far off the globe. Like the globe is realistic. She could do it. I have not. That's she's, interesting. I Yeah, man. It's it's awesome. Like this is yeah, but this is for real. She's at 270. She's she is so close in in the sprint standings. You have Lampich which is 355 uh leading the sprint standings at 355. And then you have um then you have Sophie and I want to just make sure that this is right. But you have Sophie. But you have Sophie. You have, no, but you have Sophie at two sixty two. I mean, that's close. That's super close. And the thing is, the reason why it is close is because you have so many sprints down the stretch here. You have so many sprints because this is super exciting. You have Falun. You got Falun next. Then you have Draman. Then you have the whole. Then you have the the, the Scando Tour. The sprints in the Scando Tour. You have Draman. Sorry. So you have Falun, Scando Tour, Draman. Then you have the Canadian and American sprint tours. There's a lot of points on the board, lots of points. And Lampich has looked unstoppable. She's made just such, oh, she's looking so good. She's skiing beautifully. Yeah, she's looking And also good. tactically a masterclass. She has the best mentor you could possibly ask for yeah. with Ola Vigan Hadestad running that ship over there in Slovenia. But she's been very i mean to say she's solid is just such an understatement she won both sprints in the tour and then she was second today uh so she looks really really good but sophie don't discount sophie and then so for me that that was the magic third and fourth and then sadie off a horrendously tough weekend man i use that adjective way too much so not horrendously tough but a very tough weekend in the check comes back sits out the distance race what a great (laughs) what a great decision she looked great today she had a solid race. You have three Americans in the top 10. And on a day where the Swedes had a little bit of a tougher day today, you know, you have Lynn Svan in the final. But I, I've been saying this over and over, right? I mean, I just keep saying like, oh, how good the Swedish sprint team is. And the Swedish sprint team's amazing. But Dahlqvist back in 23rd. Then you sure. had Stundling back in back in 29th. So, I mean, you know what? You got some... They had, a, they had a tougher day and the Americans capitalized. And now in the sprint standings, you have four Swedish women in the top 10 in the sprint standings right now currently. And you have three American women in the top 10. They are dominating. Those two countries are dominating the sprint standings. So that was the magic for me. I thought it was just an amazing women's race. Um, and Nepreva, she skied amazingly well too. Tactically very strong. I hope the people at home that followed the race saw just how amazingly good the Russian women skis were. I mean, Wow. Nepreva's skis today were just on point, but she was also on point. She felt, she was not felt. She looked really, really strong, uh, made all the right decisions and comes away with a classic sprint victory. She's another one that's come out of this tour to ski with a lot of energy and, and looking really good. So yeah, I thought this, I thought the women's competition was, was pretty fun today. What, um, and I think just from looking at the course profiles, it's hard when I'm watching the races, it's hard for me to differentiate between the courses. I think the courses were slightly different between the men and the women. Yeah, they are. They are, they are slightly different. It's a little shorter for the women. Uh, okay. but, but what I will say is, cause I mean the Oberstorf sprint yeah. course of old, which is again, going back to 2005 when I raced there, <laughs> um, <laughs> They they kind of st- kept with that sprint course through all those years, and and I was really curious to see what they were going to do. This being a pre world championship, right? Event. Right. And, 
I love this sprint course. It is, it's a beast. It's hard. You got, you, I, I agree. It is agree. a lot of fun to watch on TV, even though it's a little on the long side, which quite frankly, if you're surprised that a championship course for sprinting is on the long side, you haven't been following the sport close enough because that's, that's the trend. But um, yeah, and that's actually what I wanted to ask you is like, you know, for both the guys and the women, we're roughly looking at 330 for this course. And we'll get to the guys course, which is essentially it looks very similar. It's the, very similar. They just the cut, they middle just climb. Exactly. Do 200 meters more. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a big little deal. more in that middle climb, it looks like. But that yeah. said, it's really what, what I like about it personally uh it's like it's an endurance fest yet a sprint um yeah how do you think that like how that how might one ski a course like that you know it's running at 330 and who may a course like that favor well you know what i think is so exciting about this course and why i'm really looking forward to the world championships next year uh aside from the fact that i'm a super nordic so there's just that but but all the working sections, following all these working sections, these uphills you're talking about, you have rest right away. So if you're in good shape, you can hit it on these climbs. And also, too, these climbs are short. We're not talking the Lillehammer spring course, which is also a really tough spring course, where the climbs kind of drag on, especially out of the stadium. Like, oh, my God, like that's a big, long first hill, especially for the men's sprint. Jesus, like you're you're getting a lot of meters right out of the start. Whereas in Oberstorf, this new sprint course, what I really love is like, boom, you hit a first hill, you're smashing up it. it it's it's fairly steep, like they're running. I mean, and I know that hill, God, I know that terrain so well because I've raced in Oberstorf so many times. But it, it's not uh, it's not like a beautiful, like easy stride and glide and safe with kick. I mean, you, you definitely have to have the power, but it's not you're not you're not out there smashing for 50 seconds. So, you know, it, these are shorter climbs, but there's three of them. Right. And you can see everything from the stadium and a lot of action. You can see people that I thought was really cool today, both in the men's and the women's. You saw some people try and take the lead into that final downhill only to be enveloped and then knocked out, not making the final because they just get swallowed in the sprint finish. But then you see a guy like Claybo that has enough distance over the top of the hill. And to see that like he didn't have that much, but he had, I mean, he had a lot for a sprint, but for such a long downhill into Oberstdorf, which is kind of a classic drafting hill. I mean, you're, you're, you're moving at Mach Schnell. You're going down there fast, probably like 50K an hour. And that's enough to, if you have two, three guys, to swallow up a second and a half gap. But Claybo stayed away. Really, really cool there. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of moving parts to this sprint course, and it's going to be an awesome world championship. So hats off. It was, uh, it's, it's a really, really great championship sprint course. One of the best I've seen in a long time. So I'm looking forward to next year. And today was exciting to watch. And who does it favor? Yeah, I didn't answer yeah. your question. <laughs> I no, mean, I, well. I, I mean, look, let's be honest. For the men, it, it favors Claybo. He's the best sprinter in the world. Go back through the stats. How many classic sprints has he lost? Like none. Well, for sure. So, but but on the women's side, who who... Like, yeah, and that's what I thought was so fun with the women. I mean, Nepreva has had solid classic sprints, but like you mm -hmm. said, like I know you're probably alluding to this, but she has more of an endurance. She trends more endurance, right? Right. And today yeah. she she just she had great skis. She had a body that was working well, and she executed super super well. But then you have someone that and someone that's more sprint trending, like Sophie Caldwell, and skis beautifully very very solid on her skis very smart tactically she's right in there in the mix and then Lampich is having a great season especially for sprints is right up there so i thought that's kind of cool because i think 
it shows like a, 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 a at least today at least today in the conditions today it was kind of like that perfect blend of what a what a modern sprint is it's the some some distance characteristics against some stronger sprint characteristics and i thought it turned out to be a great show and a great race and yeah three americans in the top 10 that's a way to wash out the bad taste in your mouth from yesterday and maybe there was something what you said about going too much for grip and you know i know matt's trying to be nice but maybe the american technicians have just for whatever reason maybe they've just erred on the side of caution too much wanting too much grip on the skis in some of these distance races but maybe they have struggled with the uh the classic waxing i mean the margins are thin and if jesse diggins can turn it around and be third in the classic sprint on a championship style classic sprint course who would have thought that two years ago nobody so she needs good skis yeah for sure but now that kind of looks to yesterday's results and you start asking those questions like oof maybe the skis were just not competitive enough to compete in the top 10 yesterday and that can happen and if that's the case i mean they've they definitely have to tighten that up because it's costing them on some big stages this year and they're just lucky that it's not a championship season okay yeah speaking of championship season do you see and i want to i'll ask one more thing or one more observation that i like about diggins but the championship year, uh, championship year next year at this same venue, same course. Do athletes train specifically for the course? Right, they've got three big, burly pushes up hills, quick recovery. You know, so building up that sort of aptitude. Uh, would an athlete, you know, like a Caldwell, like a Svan Neprieva, train specifically for an effort that a course like this might require? I think oh, train specifically for it, maybe not. I mean, if the one place that I really noticed that people train specifically for it and put a lot of focus on was the first time we saw the sprint course in Sochi, the men's sprint course in Sochi. And if you go back to the pre-Olympic sprint, you had Ola Vegan Hadestad and Theodore Pedersen in the last five. That's right. You, I said that correctly. The last five in the sprint there. And then the following year, there were one, two. Mm. In, in the sprint. So they, they trained for it. They focused on it. They dreamt about it and they delivered. Even though both those guys are master sprinters, they, the, the Sochi course was so burly that they were nowhere near, they had nowhere near the skills for a course like that. And they were able to solve that in a year. So for the top women, I'm not sure they're going to focus that much on it, but for some of the more marginal squads, let's take the Canadians. Let's bring the Canadians into the mix a little bit. Sure. You had Daria, who's had a great season so far, as far as I'm yeah. concerned, qualifying in three to three sprints. Didn't have the best day yesterday, and then today was flat and, and just not even close. And then you have Maya McIsaac Jones, who's, you know, she's had a lot of cracks at the World Cup now here, and she just can't qualify, and she's not close enough. And she's a long way back off that top 30. And now that you see what a World Championship course is next year, like you said, three efforts, about 20 to 35 seconds each with uh with recovery after every one but like you said they're quick recoveries um, i recovery I'm, for those guys i mean i would be like gasping yeah no no for sure no no they, i mean we're talking right. professionals and this is yeah, yeah no no i mean sitting in a tuck for 15 seconds doesn't do much if you're dadding like you and i are but but i mean for for those of for those athletes that are giving their life to it i mean it is enough if you're in good shape and i and i hope that they i hope that they can take lessons out of that especially the men's side too I was really disappointed in the Canadian men today. I, I mean, 20 seconds back in a sprint qualifier. There's no excuse yeah, wanna, for that. I want to talk about that in a sec. 
there's no excuse for that. That's that's not good enough. And and instead of like rolling around on the ground crying and going like we don't get enough World Cup opportunities, I'm not saying they're doing that. I'm just saying in general we have to. Canadians, I hope, have the attitude like Ola Vegan did in Sochi in 2013 and say like you know what we're not good enough and we're not prepared for a competition like this because we are 20 seconds back in a three and a half minutes race and we need to work on our skills to be able to, like you said, hit it three times for 20 to 40 seconds with short recovery and just deliver on that. And then you can do, you can do workouts like that. You can work on your technique and you can, if you're a sprinter in Canada, so that's what I'm saying with the Mar- the, the teams that got caught out a bit today or kind of got the frying pan between the face. I think they can focus on that and come back next year much stronger than what we saw today, but the best in the world. I mean, Jason, I mean, like Neprieva, the way she skied today, I mean, she skis like that next year at the World Championships, and she's in the mix right there with Steena Nielsen when she's back and, and Mike and when she's back. I mean, neither of those women were there today, and Sophie and, and Jesse. I mean, of course, you, you, you saw the course like you did today. Like, Jesse, if Jesse skis like she did today at the World Championships next year, she's in the final as well, probably. So, so I, I think it's more for the for the teams and the athletes that were expecting big things today or expecting more and, and got caught flat footed. I hope they take lessons because there is a lot of lessons out there. And the other thing that I love about Diggins, especially in a context like this, I love that she just is able to press reset. It's like no dwelling on it. I'm sure she goes to bed. She processes it for what a, a minute. Boom. She's like set setting her mind for the next day and the effort that would require. I just think that is such a cool attribute. Oh yeah, and I'm a broken record, but I mean Jesse Diggins like is goes deep, man. Like nobody pushes like Jesse Diggins and never say die. Might as well just be tattooed on both her forearms. I mean she's <laughs> I like that. She doesn't give a shit. She doesn't yeah, she doesn't give a shit that she got her right. ass kicked yesterday. It almost like she's like, yeah, whatever a classic sprint. You'd think you should, like if it was me who had no self confidence through his whole career, I mean, I'd be so intimidated and wasting so much energy and sleeping bad. Diggins just probably goes to bed with a little bit of a chip on her shoulder and says like, you know what? Tomorrow I'm just going to have a lot of fun and we're going to smash. And then bang, top three in the qualification, finishes third on the day. And how do you like them apples? I mean, yeah, she's, and she's a great leader for the team. And, but that said, there is also leadership with someone like Sophie yeah, Caldwell for sure. and, 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 and yep. Sadie, because Sophie has this quiet confidence. Mm-hmm that I think is really important for that next generation. Not every athlete can be that like, woo, you know, that stoke that, uh, <laughs> that Jesse Diggins brings that like, kind of like hip flip, like yeah, that kind of like sure. throw the hip yeah. out and go like, you know, it. like, and, uh, Sophie just like quietly gets it done with a smile on her face. She's so caring. She's such a great teammate to everyone coming up. She's understated and you need both. You need both in a team if you want to make big strides. And I, I think it's so cool if you're an American woman developing today, you know, you don't have to fit that Keegan or that Jesse, which is really like out That's there. That's a you really know? good, that is a good you, point. You can't, Very good point. If, if, if you're, if you're kind of 16, 17 and you're quieter and, you know, like, like to keep it chill. I mean, you got, you have a great, you have a great role model in Sophie who's, not only a great role model on the tracks, but also just like a fantastic person outside of the track, as Keegan and Jesse are as well. But you know yeah. what I'm saying? It takes a, that's what's cool yep. about teams. And that's what's cool about teams when you have, when you have athletes that are just, uh, yeah, like they, they bring, everybody brings their positives into the group. And, and you're seeing that today. I think, I think it was awesome. I mean, like, I can't say enough about Sadie, like 
shaking off a tough, yeah. tough weekend. And, and then also sitting out the distance race, which must've been tougher. And then seeing your teammates just get lit up and then being like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, so that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of, uh, that takes a lot of guts too, you know, mentally and to be like, okay, you know what? No, I'm, I love classic sprinting. This course suits me. And then right back into the top 10. Awesome stuff. Okay. So a little, some other magic from today, and this is sort of was the magic for me only because I was focusing more on the guys race today was, and I want to talk about two things here. One is the magic about Clavo, and the other is a little bit of the magic from the qualifier that was Clavo, and just the rough, when you look at some of the time, and we'll get to this, and you referred to this in our first segment, but the time back for some of the skiers was very substantial. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that with you. But before I get there, watching Clabo qualifier, um, quarterfinal, semifinal, and then final, he just seemed to me to just play it so tactfully in like conserving his energy, pushing when he had to push, and which looked to me like he was really driving like in the final on that last hill. I mean, he just unleashed. Oh, yeah, classes. Oh, totally. And he outclasses the competition. And, and you know what? He can win so many different ways. He's the best downhiller on the entire circuit. He knows how to carry his speed through those corners and carry a lot of speed into climbs. But then when you're able to solve those puzzles at a mastery level and then and then also be able to, like you said, unleash this, this just beast mode final kick up the third climb there like you said was that a kick what was that uh, it was just it was just an out it was just a smackdown <laughs> is what it was he's just he's just head and shoulders better than the field it's in classic sprinting and today uh make no mistake i mean you saw it in val de fiam too man like in val de fiam like sit down good night like yeah you know like, it's over and today he he did the same thing he was he was just he's a cut above and the reason being he's perfect tactically he's perfect technically uh he's calm in race situations he has a lot of confidence and he he can just beat you any different way and and then what ends up happening is kind of a little bit like the old style of Petter nortug like when you're competing against claybo especially in classic sprints now like people are demoralized before the start even happens you know they're just like how, how do i beat this guy and then and then it's a race for second because he essentially gets to to win however he wants. But at the same time, there's nothing a guy like Volness. If you want to talk about skiing a hill, great. Yeah, I thought, he looked great. I thought, I thought Volness was skiing amazingly well yep. all all day. I agree. Good on the final section, good on the climbs, really aggressive. Mm -hmm. Comes third, great day. But Paul, for example, like I didn't think Paul was skiing like that amazing necessarily, especially like Volness and Claybo really jumped out at me. But Paul was just solid. He's a great classic sprinter. But you know what? He had... He had more left in the tank for that last drive to the finish and, and nips Volness to get second on the day. They sweep the podium. And I mean, those that know cross country skiing, especially the classic sprinting well know that this is just the, this is just how it was for a decade. I mean, there was a lot of classic sprints where you'd have five, five, it would always be it'd seemingly always be five Norwegian sprinters and, and Emily Jansen in the classic sprint final. Um, so there, they are the, they are a cut above in classic sprint, so I wasn't surprised to see them sweep the podium. I thought I thought Bolshinov, little interesting tactic there. I mean, they went out fairly easy in their heat in the semifinal, and mm -hmm. and then he just didn't have that that speed that you need, and got knocked out. Doesn't make the final, loses some points to Claybo, but he still has such a huge lead 
And like we talked, we, we covered that yesterday. So we'll leave that what it is, but sure we did. But the one thing we did not really cover and I, it took me a little bit cause I, I didn't want to get bogged down yesterday in the whole kind of bonus points aspect of the race. Um, but there were at least in the guys race, I think four opportunities for bonus points and he accrued 40 extra points. So not only did he get 100 points yesterday, I believe he got 140. No, oh, exactly. And then you look at the gap today, and I mean, Kay Claybos gets like 75 or 70-odd points on him. And that, I mean, that's not that's not much. But at the same time, there's a lot of sprints left, like I said, right. with the with the sprint cup standings for the women and Sophie Caldwell right in there in fourth in the weeds there. Claybo uh, can can do some magic, but it's gonna take it's gonna take something more. He was he was saying today that he's going to go home and, and go to go to the doctor and get a blood test done. Cause he said he's never felt that bad in a distance race in a long, long time yesterday. So while he won today, he was still, his head was still back there yesterday. He knows how, like you said, these distance races, mass starts that come up with these bonus world cup points and Bolshinov just steamrolling the field. Like he knows, he knows he needs to be better. And it's scary having what it is, is I mean, in the moment, you got to take this with a grain of salt, but like, he described it as one of the worst distance races of his life, and and uh, so he was he was worried. But but you know, from a sprint perspective today, unstoppable. And like you said, the qualification. Yeah, let's did, talk about that for a bit. Yeah, well, he he demoed. I mean, third five seconds to third, five point zero three seconds to Paul in third. That's a beat down. But we've seen that before from Claybo, you know. Sure. And on a and on a championship course, I expect that. But here's what rattled my cage a little bit or shocked me. <laughs> Go down to thirtieth. And it's 15.6 seconds, 15.6 seconds, 15.62. I have, just give me one second. Cause I had, there it is. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm with you. So you go down to 15th. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to, if you go down to 15th, if you go just, yeah, Marcus Grata, he's 11.99 seconds back in 15th, but then you go down to 30th and you're 15.62 seconds back in a well, in a well contested classic sprint on the world cup this isn't a tour like the 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 good sprinters are there and you are like if you finish your qualification you're 15.62 seconds back and you still believe you can win the the actual race at the end of the day like that's some confidence i wish you could put in a bottle and sell because you'd be a billionaire i mean you're, you're <laughs> well that's one of the things i i was noticing so you know part of what we do at faster skier is you know we note every north american's result for the day and again you know, these aren't junior skiers, so I'm not being as delicate, right, as I would with a junior skier, which we sort of touched on the other day. But, you know, it's like we want to make sure that junior skiers have, and, and senior skiers too, like support mechanisms in place if they're just feeling down. But at the end of the day, I am reporting on like a professional sport, right? Right. So I've got to be kind of like, okay, what was the time back? And I was startled, you know, when I started kind of, noting like, oh, okay, where was Simi? Simi was in 32nd and I, you know, you see his name and then you work over to the right on the spreadsheet and you're like, okay, 15.94 seconds back. Is he, is he sick? Is he not recovered? Were the skis not up to par? What was going on? But in 1.5K, again, I, you know, I'm not racing World Cups and probably could barely walk up a hill at the World Cup, to be honest. That said, yeah, what what is your impression of those types of times back? Yeah, well, I mean, you look again like Suge Ustigov, who had a really tough day in the distance race, and he's fifteen point eight three yep. seconds back. And that's a tough day yep. for a guy that 
that was on the podium in the classic sprint, the last classic sprint of the year, which was in Val de Fiemme, which is also a tough championship course as well. Simi, Simi's had a lot of tough, Simi's had some hard knocks this year with injuries and sickness. Yeah. And, and while 32nd, 15.94 seconds back is just too much. Uh, at the same time, he was close to qualifying and had he come 29th or 30th in the qualification in a classic sprint on a championship course, like has been laid out right. today. And with, with some of the challenges he's gone through, I'd actually been like, wow, like that's that. Okay. We're, we're moving in the right direction. So Simi, even though the time back looks, yeah, it's ugly in one sense. I, I don't think it was the worst day for Simi where he is and how, how he's coming back. I think, I think that's okay. Emil, Emil Everson though, Emil Everson, 17.09 seconds back. Like he, this is crisis mode. He's back in 37th. This is crisis mode. And, and he has not recovered from his illness, uh, that, pushed him out of the tour to ski and now he has a lot of questions because the Norwegian team is so competitive and it's so hard to it, it's so hard to hold on to your spot I mean there's so many guys nipping at your heels and Emily Everson dropping out and then coming 37th in an event that suits him well on a course that suits him well that's scary and 17.09 seconds back when he should be about four to six seconds back from Claybo after a performance like that like that's that's no bueno and and of course, like, we'll just keep going down the list a little bit. I mean, like Andy Newell is a good guy and mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for what he's done for American sprinting and he's doing a lot of good things. But you know what, man, when you've got your hand in a lot of pies and you show up to the World Cup, <laughs> you're not ready. You're not ready anymore. 41st, 17.5 seconds back in what is Newell's best event as well. Classic sprinting is, is Newell's bread and butter and he was completely outclassed and that was that's too bad because felt like a course like that in at least in Newell's prime. It's a little long, yeah, but but in Newell's prime, like hitting it hard three times, 20, 25 seconds, twenty to forty second efforts three times. I mean, that's Newell's bread and butter. Some corners, class, especially qualification in classic. So Newell has just shown that today he wasn't ready for for the stage that he showed up on. That's for sure. I want your thoughts on the big picture of like North American skiing. You know, you mentioned yesterday in closing, you were like, oh yeah, they're, they're, the U.S. is bringing everybody over, right? And there were definitely some different names than we're used to. Like Kevin Bolger wasn't there. Logan Hanneman wasn't there. But that said, so Andy Newell, um, yeah, who, who's very busy, right? He's running this very a cool business, uh, Nordic Team Solutions, that, you know, provides kind of guidance for people training uh, specifically for cross-country skiing. So there's that. He was the first qualifier at Senior National Championships at the U.S., okay, which was on, looks to be on January 7th. So I'm just looking here, right? Because I just thought for comparison, he is the first qualifier. Just beats out Luke Yeager, who is a much younger skier, born in 2000, uh, by 0.34 seconds. But the next skier back in third is Ben Saxon. Well, we're really getting into the weeds here. Ben Saxon at 4.29 seconds. My, yeah, that's a beatdown. They crushed him. Yeah. Well, my point, yeah, but my point is, what does that say about jumping to the World Cup? I, I think it says less about Newell than it does about just like how incredibly difficult it is. Yeah, yeah, there's work to do. That's what it says. There's work to do. Absolutely. Well, what was that like for you? Do you remember your first opportunity on the World Cup? Oh yeah. What was what happened? Oh, totally. I mean, I got I got lit up like insanely bad. I mean, 
I remember racing, I think my, well, my first world cup was a relay in Umeå, Sweden in 2004. I raced the world championships in 2003 and I was, I was a first year senior and I qualified for the world championships. So I was really excited that I was able to do that. I mean, I got crushed, but, but, uh, I think I was under three minutes back or around three minutes back in the 20 K pursuit. Uh, it, at the world so that i, I thought yeah, that was a solid yeah, day i agree um even though i probably was like 59th or something or 80th not 80th but i in the 50s or 60s but but the time back i was encouraged as a first year senior um and then in 2004 i mean i had some i had some opportunities in the spring world cup period three and i i had some good races the under 23s that season were in soldier hollow fake under 23s because they weren't giving out snowflake medals or anything but i was top six I was top six in events that I sh- had no business being top six in. Uh, we were third in the team sprint. They had a team sprint there. Drew and I were third. Um, and then I was top six anyway. I think maybe I was six, fifth or sixth in the 30K skate, which is like my absolute worst event. <laughs> so I was in I was in good shape, but I got to the World Cup and got the shit kicked out of me. I mean, I didn't get to race a distance race in Umeå because we only had two starts back then in the in home and colon. My first 50K of my life was individual start skate oh. home and colon. <laughs> That didn't go well. <laughs> actually, actually, it went pretty well for 42K, and then I was just oh crushed. My. But I'd never done a 50K before in my life, so and um, and that was that. Let alone, how do you pace that individually? Yeah. Oh. No, totally. And then that was that. But then, so I, I had a few World Cup weekends. Maybe I raced like three, four times on the World Cup in 2004. But then from 2005... Uh, I was top 15 in the world championships in the classic sprint in Oberstdorf and I had top thirties in both distance and, and sprint events in the 2004 five season. So my, it didn't take me very long to be racing into the points. Uh, at least I didn't have very many opportunities before racing into the points, sure. but this well, is like 870 years ago. So right. it's really hard to compare what, what guys are going through now. But at the same time, what I will say is what I will say is like, stay hungry, stay humble. Because, you know, this is just the facts. Like, if you win Super Tours, that's great. And it's a good step in your development. But if you think winning Super Tours translates into, like, top 15 results in the World Cup, like, you're either drunk, high, or stupid. Because there's no chance. There's no chance. And and uh, that said, it, if you take it more as, like, a good step on your development, it's like, okay, great. I'm, I got to the top tier here in the Super Tour or the Noram. Then the next logical step is, can you do it on the OPA? Can you do it on like the Central European racing circuit? And if you can do that, then you start mixing in some World Cups, getting those experiences there, getting comfortable with the big show, that sort of thing. And then if you really want to lengthen your development out a little bit or, or still stay hungry and humble, like I said, then you know the Scandinavian Cup or Norwegian Cup circuit is like, that is cutthroat AF. I mean, like these guys are guys are winning those events and i mean look at like some of the development skiers (laughs) that were fourth there's a guy that was fourth in dresden doesn't get a start in oberstdorf think about that and he's a better classic sprinter so paul tronona is a better classic sprinter than he is skate sprinter fourth in dresden sorry buddy you're not good enough i mean whoo so he's stuck on the Norwegian Cup, or and and so there's different ways to develop. I mean, like I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not running the development programs in in North America, and you know there's I know how hard people work, and I know we got like there's great leadership. I think the Nor- the American development system is 
running on all cylinders sure. and doing such an amazing job. There's like nothing to criticize there. They're doing such a great job. Canada's in a transition, no question. They're in a transition. And but they're doing a lot of steps to try and get back there get back to the roots and i thought it was cool that you saw Catherine stewart jones and daria mm-hmm. Beatty on the opa last weekend Smart move. i thought that was cool i thought it was good get some co- get some confidence and Catherine had a great day yesterday to be 31st that's a solid race and daria had a tough weekend but you know what you're allowed to have tough weekends once in a while it's okay that's not a big deal like y- you're gonna stumble on your way to on your path to to world cup success it's just gonna happen once in a while and this this was a weekend for daria but from uh, on the other side of the coin, I mean, you just hear that. You hear coaches every once in a while, like see something on the Super Tour and be like, "Oh yeah, they're ready for the World Cup." It's like you know what? <laughs> like, unless you know who is ready for the World Cup based on Super Tour results, Jesse Diggins, like however many years ago when she was doing Super Tours and winning by like a minute twenty. If you're win- if you're if you're winning Super Tours by over a minute, yeah, you're ready for the World Cup. Maybe you can score points. I think you. Were, I thought you were going to actually say Ida Sargent, who like that too. For all I knew, is she won yesterday in Craftsbury or on Friday? She won the sprint. Yeah, well, that's not good. That I mean, well, she has medals on the World Cup, so that's amazing. But she's also full time teachers. She might be secretly training, yeah, but too. she's a full time right, teacher. She's a full time teacher at uh, at Burke. So I mean, yeah, she she probably shouldn't be winning Super Tours. No offense, Ida, you're amazing. You have World Cup podiums, so you I know how good you are. But I mean. Yeah, I, people that are putting all their eggs into skiing should be able to, to beat you. <laughs> okay, we have a. There's a break next weekend. I'm very yeah, ex- very excited true. for it actually. Um, yeah, have some good ski touring. <laughs> yeah, something something sleep. Yeah, sleep is good too. I'm good to sleep. That's true. Okay, thanks for your time. Any other yeah, things that we should cover? No, I think that that about covers it. And I mean, if it sounds like I'm a bit critical here and there, I'm like I'm. That's not my. I'm not trying to be critical, but I mean, people have to, I hope that the takeaway from the sprint, if you're one of those guys that are 20 seconds back in the qualifier is, is don't like cry into your pillow or cry into your pillow a little bit. You should be disappointed. It's not good, but, but I want, I hope that you take solace in the fact that in one year I can come back here and have solved the issues I wasn't able to solve today. And if you can take that 20 seconds back in a qualifier to 10 seconds back in the qualifier, which is still a long ways back, but you're going to make the heats at the world championships. If, if you're 10 seconds back in the qualifier next year in a classic sprint in Oberstorf, you're in the heats. So I hope, I hope you learned something. I hope, I hope those people that are a little disappointed, especially the North Americans can look at that and go like, you know what? I got work to do. And now I know what work I need to do because I saw it today and I see where I can get better. Okay. That's a good point to end on. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. So I'll leave it at that. Great. Thanks a lot, Jason. Um, Have a great night. Thanks for your time, Devin. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you have any questions, please send them to info at fasterskeeter.com or to Devin at fasterskeeter.com. One more thing, folks. If you're interested in learning about Red S, otherwise known as Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport and the Climate in High Performance Skiing, Check out the latest Nordic Nation where faster skiers Rachel Perkins hosts a great forum on the topic.